are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Happy New Year. Uh, I am recording this intro on January 1st. This conversation coming up on the show today with Patrick Khan about the Big 12 bowl games that have occurred uh, is from December 31st. So he and I talked with the three games uh, in the bag. We had the Oklahoma uh, State-Miami game, the Texas and Colorado game, and then obviously the the spectacle that was Oklahoma and Florida. And then obviously what I'm recording this now, uh, West Virginia had the win over Army. We'll get to more of that on Monday. I want to talk a little bit about that game on Monday. But, um, you know, because this show actually did run a bit long. So the show today, recorded on the 31st, Patrick Kahn and I breaking down the Big 12 Bowl results. Locked on Big 12 podcast here, a New Year's Eve edition. Josh Neighbors joining me as Patrick Kahn. And Patrick, we've got some Big 12 Bowl games to discuss. Actually, to be honest with you, I want to rehash our, our conversation earlier this week. We've been pretty pretty on the on the nose with a lot of these these picks. I mean, the Miami Oklahoma State one, you know, Derek King probably if he doesn't you know get hurt, they probably win that game. I mean, they were still close from the Kosi Perry, who's not very good. Um, so you know, I damn near three for three is kind of how I'm feeling right now. I think we were on the right track with the better quarterback thing in that game. Yeah, my whole thing was I was expecting my Gundy to Gundy it up and lose that football game. Uh, just because they had a lead, a pretty good-sized lead in that game and allowed the backup, who, as you said, not very good, uh, allowed them to come back in that game. And, you know, they're they're a really good defensive team this year. So I think you're dead on when you talk about the quarterback play. Uh, Spencer Sanders looked uh, fantastic, even without Tylen Wallace, without Chuba Hubbard, um, you know. So, and, you know, he's, he's somebody I'm familiar with covering – Texas high school football. So um, I was really excited to watch him play. And, uh, you know, like you said, their Big 12 started out three for three uh, in their ball games. And just be glad you're not Conference USA and, and going over. Yeah. I, I mean, Spencer Sanders really plays the game that, like, I, I think everybody's been asking him to play, right, all, all year long. And Miami's defense, you know, they've got a couple guys, but on the whole, it's actually not a, not a great defense. And so, you know, it finds Brennan Presley three times. Kids barely played all year and, and has himself a three touchdown day, 118 yards on six catches, which is pretty impressive. Sanders fumbled, but they they got uh, they believe they were, they got it back. So no turnovers. And that that's you know what they kind of need to see. And I'm high on him. I at one point in the season I felt like he I he might have needed to change the scenery just because things weren't going the right way there. But like he he because I think the frustrating part for me is like he's capable of this. Like he can do this and he can do this, this kind of performance with regularity. And I know the yeah. line's bad and he's been banged up, but like that, he, he can get there is what I think. Yeah, right. It, it's always been for me with him, the inconsistencies, you know, um, and, and mostly in, in turning the football over. That's, that's the key with uh, Spencer Sanders. And I think that's really where it would have boiled down to. Um, they've got to find a way uh you know, to, to, I guess the word I'm looking for is kind of highlight him or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of feature him more. Uh, I think, I think he could run more. I think they could do more design runs with him, use his athleticism. Uh, Cause you, as you see around the big 12, the the quarterbacks that move around the pocket who don't just stand there, 
usually the ones that are more successful. I mean, even a, a Spencer Rattler, he moves around quite a bit. Um, you know, yeah. so I think they need to find a way to get Sanders out on the edges a little bit more. I, I think so too. And, and, you know, it's basically saying, Hey, look, like, you know, it's on you now, like we're going to trust your decision-making, right. I mean, you're going to be on the run and you know, it's okay. We take risks, but in general, you got to take care of the football, you know, from a big picture standpoint, Patrick, I, I think what's interesting about Oklahoma State is the fact that, you know, they might be feeling good after the season, right? You know, bowl wins can always, they always, uh, you know, I block our view of really what actually happened. And I, I think obviously it was, it was disappointing season, right? I, I mean, I think on the, on the good side, eight and three was disappointing for Oklahoma State, which is, you know, good. The issue is that you need to be in that spot where eight and three is a disappointment more often. Like they, like they want to be in a spot where the roster is, you know, one that says, Hey, we should be winning. Uh, you know, we should be winning 10 games, nine, 10 games every single season. And they got to start capitalizing when they do have rosters like this. Right. And, but I kind of feel like they're right where they should be third or fourth in the conference. Like I, and when I look at the, the conference pecking order, they, that's right where they should be. Uh, but the fact that Mike Gundy has been there as long as he has, and I know, you know, he played there, he's, it's his alma mater, you know, dream school, dream job, all that. Gundy, for me, Gundy's got to do more. The, the fact that he has been there that long, um, and he doesn't have much to show for it. Um, you know, and I know a lot of people like to point to going, oh, well, you have to, you know, it's kind of like, well, this is, this is Oklahoma State football. But but when is just getting to bowl season? When is that not good enough? You know, I, I know I want to see some urgency from Oklahoma State. Um, you know, because honestly, when when the schools that are below the Oklahomas and the Texas consistently um, kind of push up, it just makes the entire conference better. Uh, when an Iowa State jumps up there, it makes the conference better because you're getting more challenging games and. You know, that's why I look at Oklahoma State, and I, I expect more out of them, personally. I, I do, too. I think, you know, we'll take stock of what they have. I mean, they should have some parts of this pretty good defense coming back. And, look, they've never had any issue generating offensive weapons. Uh, it's right. been a school that's notorious for, you know, having guys at both running back and wide receiver have been pretty good. Uh, so they got to address the line, obviously, and I'm curious to see what comes back with the defense. On to the game you were uh, watching very intently obviously because you were the host of Locked on Longhorns. Texas, yep. 55, Colorado, 23. Um, Colorado looked like a team that had only played five games was my was one of my thoughts on that on that front. But um like the fact that they got that, I think his last name was what, Lewis, the kid from Colorado? Yeah, uh, Brendan Lewis, back yeah. in quarterback. He's likely Kid from be- Texas, right? He's a Texas kid. Yeah, and he's likely going to be the starter uh, next year. Yeah, so. and I think it was nice to see him. But from the – from the Texas side, man, I mean, the, the storylines here, Casey Thompson really, you know, eight for 10 for 170 and four scores. And Sam Ellinger obviously goes out with the injury. Um, the, the jokes on Twitter were flying about, hey, the only person who can stop B. John Robinson is Tom Herman. Saw a and lot of that. He did. He did after a hot start. But then he couldn't keep him down for too long, which was encouraging, I guess you could say. Uh, a comprehensive second half really was the story, right? I mean, the second half Texas played. They, they had a lead at halftime, and then they just, you know, they went off. Uh, and it and Casey Thompson was the catalyst for that and getting Bijan back on the field. If you, if you go back and look at that game, the first two drives, Bijan Robinson touches the ball, or the first three drives, his first two drives in the game, 
he touches the ball four times. He has two touchdowns, 91 yards of offense. And that's just in the first quarter. And then B. John Robinson doesn't touch the ball for the next six drives or one for the next six drives. He touches it once. So the jokes were actually correct. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I agree. Tom, Tom Herman stopped B. John Robinson. And then as the second half got underway and we saw that, you know, Sam Ellinger wasn't going to be in that game. I will have to say I was thoroughly impressed. I did not know, mostly because they have closed practice this year, so we didn't get to go and watch, you know, the open to media sessions and practice and see certain players. I did not know that Casey Thompson was capable of that kind of performance. I didn't know that Casey Thompson was that kind of passer. Uh, He, and, and I know a lot of people think I'm, being negative of Sam, uh, but Casey Thompson is everything people wanted Sam Ellinger to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, throws with anticipation, soft touch. I mean, he just he puts the ball in in these spots that only allow his guy. I mean, we saw it on both touchdowns to Joshua Moore. Uh, one is high where only he can get to it. The the defensive back's not going to be able to get to it. And the other one's like just on the inside corner, so that uh, so the defender is kind of shielded. Uh, between Joshua Moore and the football, uh, the deep throw to uh, Kevante Dixon. I mean, those are the things that we expect to see. And while Sam has hit some of those in this in the in the season, it was far too inconsistent. So seeing him out there, uh, and then obviously Bijan is an absolute monster, uh, and that, that he's scary. Like he he broke a sixty year old. Texas school record for allowing or for averaging 8.2 yards per carry this season, 8.9 yards per touch. I mean, so, you know, he's, he's almost a first down every time he touches the ball. Um, You know, that's just, that just shows you how, how good he is. And so that's, that's very exciting to, to watch him. And then I just hope that Tom Herman stops with this can't overload the freshman. We've got a, rotate these guys in and out let me just tell you Roshan Johnson had as many carries in this game and it wasn't even close like Bijan was averaging 15 and a half yards more per carry uh than Roshan Johnson there was there was no reason to split the carries the way they did more from my conversation with Patrick Khan about bowl season coming up but first a word from our sponsors Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Are you guys ready for some football? We're talking football on this podcast. Obviously, the NFL is coming down to a close, and there's only one place that we trust that has you covered. That is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. They've got NFL games of the week, college bowl bowls, obviously, uh, future bets for MLB. They've got NBA games, college basketball, everything that you want, they have there. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And also along those same lines, guys, make sure you check out the Locked on Bets podcast wherever you all get your podcasts. Great new show from the Locked on Podcast Network. They've been red hot lately with their best bets. So you guys should go check that out. Also sign up at betonline.ag. All right, now back to my conversation with Patrick Kahn. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Scores four times on 12 touches, Bijan Robinson does. Uh, and, you know, the, the efficiency with which he runs reminds me a whole lot of Travis Etienne, right? And Travis Etienne is known as, you know, just the, the yards per carry. Like he is one of the more efficient runners in the country. Low carry, low carry count, high output. Um, mm-hmm. And Bijan Robinson, like you can just tell why he was highly touted and it's just this star who's just waiting to break out and they and i you know for whatever reason right i mean obviously you know tom are in the talking about overloading the freshman or whatever it is uh bowl game maybe too you know don't want to risk an injury in a bowl game whatever um you know it's what what else can you say with a guy like he's unbelievable like he is in a conference full of really great running backs he looks like the one who is from a talent perspective, the best. And we talk about Letty Brown. We talk about obviously Chuba Hubbard. Uh, you know, we talk about Brees Hall, but like he clearly is the most talented out of all of those guys. Like he just, he's got juice in like every single way. He's fast. I mean, it, I mean, what part of his game do you think it, like there's a weakness in? I mean, catching out of the backfield can be better, but look, we already saw what happened here. Two catches, two touchdowns. So yeah, no. you know, maybe, maybe blocking. Um, you know, maybe just being more consistent as a blocker uh, might be something. I mean, I know that's typically with young running backs, what keeps them off the field, uh, you know, and so as they get better, obviously they get used more. That's probably the area, but he's so dynamic. Why am I using him to block? Like he should be running routes or yes. getting the ball and getting out there, you know? And so I, you know, I think it's funny when I hear people bring that up and they go, like, Oh, he needs to be a better blocker. Look, I agree that he probably needs to be a better blocker, but I am just not so stupid as to put him in the block when I need him out catching the ball or, you know, being a factor in the play. Uh, You know, I don't want him. Uh, It it was interesting. I got a text during the game uh, from uh, somebody who covers Arkansas. And uh, they were like, I don't want to like, because Texas and Arkansas supposed to have a trip to Fayetteville. And they were like, I don't really want to face Bijan uh, just because of how dynamic he is. But the next thing he said is he goes, and I really don't want to see Casey Thompson. He goes, uh, you know, so it was, it was kind of interesting to see a glimpse of the future. And I actually wrote about that at longhornswire.usatoday.com. It's it, Casey gave them a glimpse of that future and him and, and Bijan. And, you know, if you want to talk about, you know, the future and, and what it looks like, you have to be really excited with what you saw from Texas as far as the future and, and moving forward. Well, you know, one more thing on Bijan. I mean, if I'm Tom Herman and let's just, let's just play it out and say he comes back next year, your best case. I mean, obviously we talked about Sam Ellinger coming back and that being the best thing for you to be able to save your job. But next year, the best thing in my opinion to save his job is to get, to make your offense centered around Bijan Robinson, like getting as many, you know, maximizing his touches, you know, getting him in good spots, not saying, I mean, I did have a problem and I'm sure you did too with the overuse of Sam Ellinger. It's something that we talked about, you know, especially in years past, 
just the way that they would run him and, you know, banged up quarterback because uh, he can run the ball too much. That's, you know, he's not, he's not an excellent passer as it is. And if he's banged up, he's not a great passer. The results aren't going to be great. You know, there's, there's a way to like maximize touches. And it seems like with Tom Herman, like is off these offenses, they don't seem to maximize player. Like they can't find that sweet spot. You know what I mean? With, you know, the right amount of running and the right amount of passing with, with, uh, with Ellinger, or in this case, you know, with Bijan, what's the right amount of touches? Cause I can tell you it's higher than 10 on the ground. Let me just tell you, this is the, the area that irritated me the most. In goal-to-go situations, B. John Robinson touched the ball three times. He only he only touched it twice in the Iowa State game and once in the bowl game. Uh, all And uh, on the bowl game, that was an eight-yard touchdown. Uh, they need him in the red zone, in, in goal-to-go situations, should be getting more touches. Three touches all season is is not – you know, it's it's not – what they should be doing. I mean, because like you said, the overuse of Sam Ellinger and, he, and getting banged up because he's taking all these hits down in the red zone area because they're running quarterback power three or four times. No. Give the ball to B. John Robinson three times down in the red zone see if he can't get you a touchdown. On the quarterback front, you know, I know it's one game, but like once again, narrative is, is the currency of college football, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what happened, you know, we're talking about what you and I had saying earlier this week, Sam Ellinger, and I, I still believe that. I'm, you know, Case Thompson might be really good, but I think in one, you know, in general, I still feel like the Sam Ellinger thing is is the best case scenario for Texas. Um, but from the fan base point of view, like, do you think that one game is enough to be like, Sam, it was nice. We, en- we enjoyed your time here. I mean, or, you know, or is it now more of a conversation or is it, you know, wh- which way do you think the, 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 I guess the conversation goes as it comes to the Texas quarterback position? Because obviously this performance is going to be factored in about how fans and, you know, I don't think the team, but I think on how fans evaluate it. All right. Well, I'll tell you what fans have told me. Fans are sick and tired of it and they're ready for Sam to go. Can be honest with you. Uh, that is, that is some of them. That's what I'm going to say. It's all of them because there's, there's people like me who I, I love Sam. I love watching Sam. Do I think maybe it's time for him to move on and give one of these younger guys a shot? Yeah, I do. And I can't help but think that because I saw what the offense looked like with Casey Thompson. But there's a flip side to that. This defense that they went up against, they prepared for Sam Ellinger for weeks. And then Casey Thompson comes out there, and it's he's a completely different quarterback than mm-hmm. Sam. Uh, he's more athletic than Sam. He's not as powerful, but he's more athletic. He yeah, he's not a big dude, is he? No, no, no. I mean, I mean, he's he's big. He's, enough. He, he can move a little bit more. You know. Oh yeah, he's athletic. He moves, he moves better than Sam does. Uh, he's quick. I'll tell yeah. you that much. He he's quick. Um, you know, and he just does these subtle things that that really helped him out. You know, like shuffling to his left to to avoid a pass rush, and then throwing over two defenders. I mean, he had the touch and and the ball placement was fantastic. And obviously, you see that he threw ten passes. He completes eight of them four for touchdowns, um, you know, so he was a very efficient outing for him as well. That's exciting. But, again, there's context here. This defense was not prepared for Casey Thompson. Nobody expected Casey to play in this game. And the only reason he did is because Sam got hurt. It wasn't that the offense was struggling, which it was. I mean, he scored 17 points in the first half when he probably should have had 28, 35. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they were struggling a little bit. And then, so they injected him into the lineup and everything took off. Uh, but I will say, 
Like while fans are are clamoring for Casey Thompson to be the next starting quarterback, I really think that based on his performance, there should be an open competition if Sam Ellinger does come back. Now, do I think the team will have an open competition? Absolutely not. If Tom Herman is back and Sam Ellinger is back, Sam Ellinger is your starting quarterback uh, because Tom likes to go with what's safe. Yeah, it's gonna. I mean, it's gonna be a, a one hell of an off season for you. So I'm. Uh... Kudos to you and the content that's going to be coming your way. All right, let's move it on to the game that's uh, that happened last night. And, I mean, death taxes and Dan Mullen being, you know, uh, just uh, insufferable after, uh, you know, after a, a bad loss for Florida. And, and look, what's what's bad for Florida? And that's what, I know it's a Big 12 show, but I, Florida's a big program, and I think we can give them a little bit of time here. You, you, you can't, like Dan Mullen, he might go 10-2, and two, but he makes those two losses feel like four because of the way that he acts because this and this shtick is not, like it's great when you're winning and it's, it's everybody acknowledged but they the way they sputtered in the back end of the season i mean they lost what three straight football games to end the year lost to lsu lost to alabama uh i'm not sure if there's one in between but i i'm, I'm trying to think if there wasn't i don't think there was um there, yeah, there wasn't they lost three straight games to end the season and you know they weren't i mean the alabama game is what it is but like you know, the LSU game, horrible. Last night, I mean, I know a bunch of opt-outs, but like they didn't show up. It wouldn't have mattered. Like those four guys would not have mattered last night. Um, and it's it's interesting because you know you talk like that, man, and and you act like that, and it's great when you're winning. But boy, those losses, like it's embarrassing for Florida. It's humiliating the way that team played and the way they talked about it and the way he acted after the game, saying that, oh, you know, the 2020 team played their last game against Alabama. Shut the hell up. No. I and mean, do you want to be 0-1? Do you want us to count you as 0-1 for next season? Like I, and then saying our practice squad played well. It's just, it's embarrassing. It's humiliating. And I don't know if it's stick at this point. I feel like also this might just be who he is. Like he might not be able to get out of his own way. Uh, he's brash, abrasive, and, and kind of a dumbass sometimes. Uh, I will tell you from covering Dan Mullen, watching Dan Mullen, absolutely. He's abrasive. Absolutely, he's a dumbass. Uh, I will say that much. I personally, when this whole Tom Herman coaching thing, is he going to be back? Isn't he going to be back? Dan Mullen was one of the guys that that I highlighted. I said, that's that's a coach that I would like. He's an excellent he, coach, too. Let me just say that. Yeah. Right. Uh, but seeing how he works with the media and how he is, he would not he would not work in Austin at all. Um, he would get run out of town real quick, uh, just based on how he carries himself. And and to hear the comments that he made, I was like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I cover Texas, so I'm anti Oklahoma, right? And then I see the conference, the post conference, and I hear the comments that he said, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm glad that Oklahoma kicked the crap out of you uh, mm-hmm. because you're a sore loser. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, we played our best game, you know, 10, 11 days ago or our last game. No, bro, you went out. You could have opted out. Yeah. Your whole team could have opted out, uh, but you didn't. And, I mean, we saw the result. I mean, Kyle Trask had as many touchdown passes to Oklahoma as he did his own players. I mean, so, I mean, they – I don't know. It almost felt like they didn't take it seriously. Like they were just like, Oh, we're just taking a trip to Dallas and we're going to play in this bowl game and then go home. Um, you know, I mean, say what you want to say, but Oklahoma came out and kicked the crap out of yeah, you. Well, we, we saw this coming, Patrick. I mean, you, the momentum, yeah. like 
I, the momentum were these were two uh, opposite going cars, right? One was one's climbing the mountain and they're ascending and they're on a hot streak and they're building something clearly. The mm-hmm. other one has ran out of gas at the end and was there was a good team. They and I, I think they they played one hell of a game against Alabama. Um, I I think I think Clemson should would, would be happy if they gave that performance that that Florida gave against especially mostly in offense against Alabama. I just like watching that game last night. It was just embarrassing. And the problem too I have is that this is why they have to like the New Year's Six conversation stuff. I understand all the, all the whatever like the tie-ins and whatnot and the fan base and a lot you know the tickets. You know you can get more tickets for Florida than Indiana or whatever. But like Florida had their chance. Like they 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 had a bunch of chances to play in big games. Same way that I don't think Iowa State should be in a New Year's Six. Like your your Big Twelve championship game is basically your your New Year's Six game. You know, I they should be in a kind of like cheese it bowl type game. That's like there is a more deserving team who should have been in that spot last night. Whether it's Coastal Carolina, uh, you know, whether it is Indiana, right? Whether it's even UNC. I know UNC a guys opt out, but I can promise you that team's going to show up and and try to kick some ass. Like because that means the biggest game they've been in a while. There are other options as opposed to a, a, a team like Florida who showed up not prepared and got the got the brakes blown off them. It's yeah. it's embarrassing. Yeah, I would uh, I would argue that Tom Allen and Indiana deserve that spot more than I agree than Florida did. I mean, they lost one game, and and you can say, oh well, you know, they didn't play anybody. They only played so many games. They played the games that were on their schedule. They lost to Ohio State by seven points. That was their only loss, uh, and they did it with. And you know, as, as the season went on, they were doing it with a backup quarterback. They lost Michael Penix Jr., who was their offense for the most part. Uh, and they were able to adapt and, and, and all that. So I, I would say, yeah, I mean, they didn't deserve to be in that bowl game. Uh, just as I don't think Oregon deserved to be in the Fiesta Bowl. I don't think Iowa State deserved to be there either. Because let's be honest, they had, what, three losses on the season? Lost to Oklahoma, lost to Louisiana, um, uh, yeah, and lost, Oklahoma yeah, State. Yeah, ULL and Oklahoma State, yep. Yeah, and – and so you could look at that and go, well, a three-loss team who didn't even win their conference is in the you know New Year's Six, and, and I mean, yeah, it's it is what they need to they need to get this thing fixed. Uh, when it comes to New Year's Six, it should be the best what twelve teams. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, once you get past, or so the best eight after they get past the the top four that go into the playoff, and whatnot. The, uh, the, I just want to ask you about the OU part of this. Like, okay, to me, the big question is. That was an awesome result, and they had one hell of a season. And yeah. honestly, if you told me right now, okay, Ohio State full strength, Oklahoma full strength, neutral field, I think Oklahoma would be favored. Not just because I do the Big Twelve podcast; it's because I honestly believe that. And Oklahoma's played more games. Maybe Ohio State would be at that point later on in the line. But those two teams play right now. I would favor uh, uh, Oklahoma. The question for them, in my opinion, is who's coming back. That that's going to decide like how far this thing can go. Do you agree with that? Because the, if they keep this team they can compete with the top. They may not beat in Alabama this year. They've got the horses on defense. Can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> They've got the horses on both sides of the ball to, to, beat, a, to beat a team like a, a Florida, an Alabama, well, before, but uh, Alabama, uh, a Clemson. Uh, man, it's tough. I mean, Ronnie Perkins, is he coming back? Because he changed that entire dynamic on that defense. Is Alex Grinch coming back? I mean, is he going to get a head coaching job? Uh, based on the performance that he had on his defense this year. Uh, I think those are keys, but, you know, I'd be hard-pressed to say I wouldn't take an 
Ohio State just because they're more experienced. Uh, but maybe that, you know, kind of plays into to Oklahoma's hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that might sound weird, but, you know, when you take a, you take a young kid out there, like a Spencer Rattler, he is so young in the game of college football. He doesn't know that he's supposed to lose. You know what I mean? He's like, he has this looseness about him. And I think that would help them a ton. Um, you know, with, with all the weapons that they have, with all the young talent, I mean, you've hard pressed. I mean, Oklahoma looked fantastic last night. I mean, Lincoln Riley had that, he had that offense humming, uh, running the ball, throwing the football. I mean, Spencer Rattler didn't even have to do much. Just hand it off and let his running backs take care of it. I mean, and the uh, thing about Rattler, you bring it up like, that that Kansas State game was a situation that he's never been in before. You know what I mean? Right. Where it's like, you know, that guy is, you know, at every step of his football career has been the guy, the dude. And the way he's responded since then is like, that's like you're talking about like at this, he's at this point now where it's like, yeah, I've, the, the bump is behind me. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not faltering now. Like if he loses again, I can guarantee he's gonna be like, I'm genuinely shocked. Like I thought that was behind me. And, and, you know, not just because of belief in himself, but belief in like the team they've got. I mean, if you look at the way they ran the football last night, they ran the ball for 435 yards uh, and, and 11 yards of carry. I mean, two guys were in 100 yard, you know, 100 yard rushers. You know, they, it was, I mean, like, and I know Florida's, it's Florida's defense, or whatever, and Damon, it's a practice squad. They, they've been doing that to a lot of teams. They can impose their will on a lot of teams uh, up front, especially when they get, a, you know, the line gets a little, a little bit older. I, yeah. I just think that, like, if they can just keeping this group intact, which is going to be hard, it's always hard to do that. But they've got so much momentum right now that this actually feels like the OU team where it's like, well, we'll wait and see if they can compete. No, I, I really do believe they can compete next year. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting going into next year. Who's coming back? Who's staying? Uh, it, you know, it gets me excited for the Red River shootout next year mm-hmm. because. I, I think we can all agree, even this year, even though, you know, they played Iowa State, the Texas versus OU is the most exciting game of the year. And and we saw it with the four-overtime game, uh, you know, and, and so I think it's going to be fun to watch. And I you're, you're right. I mean, they're going to be favored always because, you know, they win the conference every year. Uh, but, yeah, you had, you had to like what you're seeing from them. I mean, if you, if you take a step back and, and take your fandom hat off um, and just look at them as, as a football team, and, and there was there was a lot of excitement. Like you said, they run the football really well. Spencer Rattler didn't have to do a whole lot, uh, but he can take over a game with his arm if he needs to. Um, man, it's almost frustrating because it's like, I wish we could have got a better bowl matchup because I would love to have seen what, Spencer Rattler. They, they don't drop that Kansas State game. You know, they're, they're, I mean, they're probably in the playoff, but like they did. And that right. Was a, but like you could also argue that that game was important for them in their development, you know, where they are now, too. I think the losses to Kansas State, Iowa State, and kind of getting punched in the mouth by Texas early on mm-hmm. kind of was their wake up call. Like, you know, and then when they benched Rattler, I mean, like you, like we've talked about before, once they benched Rattler, that whole, season change for them uh you know and and so you know once things started to, the wheels started to come off and they had to rein it in a little bit you know and and, and you saw 
him take off. So it'll be interesting to see what the maturation looks like going into next season uh, with a full off season, we hope, um, you know, spring ball, all of those things uh, to get some of these younger guys more, more reps and get them ready uh, to take over some bigger roles because obviously, like you said, who's coming back is Rambo going um, to the NFL. Is he, is he sticking around another year? I mean, we have all these seniors that have all these decisions to make and work, you know, it's not just Oklahoma and Texas. It's, you know, across the big 12, people are trying to make this decision. Do I come back? Cause I get a free year. Right. Or do I move on to the NFL? Yeah. So. Uh, and, and once again, you know, I've, I've a couple times I've gotten some flack for only talking about the big teams, but guys, Patrick, and I did, we did preview all the bowl games, big 12 bowl games. So go back to the beginning of the week. If you guys want to hear us, you know, we give our love to, you know, we talk about West Virginia. Uh, obviously, TCU, Arkansas is not happening anymore. We talked about right. Iowa State and Oregon. So and we'll have recaps all those games once they're done. But let's turn our attention. We'll not spend too long about this because everybody's talking about the playoff. But uh, first question, any chance that that Alabama can – or Notre Dame can keep it close to Alabama? They are 20-point favorites, Alabama, is according to our friends at betonline.ag. Any chance to keep it close? Is there an avenue? I, I'm trying to find a way, not just to justify it, but just to try to have a conversation. Is there a way they can even keep it close? Is there an avenue? I don't see one. No, no. Um, and, he, and the reason why I say that, uh, if you listen to the Lockdown College Football Podcast, we talked about this with Colin Wilson from the Action Network. And there's really not, because where's the hole on this Alabama team? Um maybe they're more susceptible to the explosive plays, but Notre Dame doesn't have an explosive offense. Right. And that, and that's really where if you want to compete with Alabama, you have to have explosive playmakers, Florida, when they did have, you know, in that game, they showed you uh, when Ole Miss played Alabama early in the season, they had explosive plays. That's how you get to this team. The only problem is that Alabama can out explosive you. Because they have a Devonta Smith, they have a Najee Harris. Oh, by the way, if they make when they make it to the national championship game, Jalen Waddle is probably going to be back. You just got the most explosive player back, um, you know. And they're they're doing all these things with these guys. So no, I, I look at Notre Dame and I I just don't see. After watching what Clemson did to them in the ACC championship game. I don't think there's any way that this game's even close. Yeah, I know. I think that the two teams obviously that had the most success against Alabama this year were Ole Miss and Florida. What do those two teams do? They spread it out and chalk it with like no regard. Like there, there's. I mean, honestly, the the worst part of Florida's game plan was when they got conservative in the second quarter and then ran it on like a second and thirteen. And it's like, no, no, just keep throwing the ball. Like, what do you just just keep doing it? Just sling it, sling it. Ian Book, I has had an awesome season. He he, I was wrong about him like coming into the year. He's never done a lot for me. He turned a corner this year. Um, like the UNC game, they were in his kitchen the entire day, and he never made a mistake. And he, he even like the the throws where he just throws it out of bounds, right? It's just you're not getting to him a lot. That Clemson game, things did change. And I like Kyron Williams, but look, they they've slowed down you know, this Alabama defense, slowed down Tank Bigsby from Auburn. Like they they can stop the run. Um, you got to spread it and, and chuck it. And that's not what this Notre Dame team is built to do. So I'm with you on this one. I, I, I'd lay the 22. Yeah. You got to, like you said, I mean, you talked about the, the teams that did well. Um, you know, I think they would struggle with a team like Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, you know, a team that, that spreads it out, throws it a lot, uh, you know, and gets the ball out in space. I mean, you got to, you got to make them force them to make tackles in space. That's your big thing. Yeah. Um, they're going to give up the explosive plays. 
All right, other game. This one has become a bit more interesting. Uh, Tony Elliott not coaching, uh, not going to be at the game at least because uh, he has COVID-19. We wish him the best. Hope he recovers, obviously. But, you know, I, I don't know if this makes the game any more competitive. Uh, the issue for Ohio State is this team had too many issues and not enough time to work them out, right? They didn't get a full 12-game season. It's like any others. You know, these are 18 to 22-year-old kids playing a sport like this. They are inconsistent. You know, I'm 23. I am still an inconsistent human being. Um, and that's why I always use the example of Kentucky basketball. Train wreck in November, SEC champions in March. That's usually how it goes. That's how these things progress. Oklahoma, great example. Train wreck early in the season. Right now, one of the best four or five teams in, in the entire country. Oklahoma, Ohio State, by no fault of their own, didn't have that time to discover whether or not they were that team. We actually don't know if they could be that team. Um, and now they play, <laughs> they play Clemson, right? I do think there's a lot of motivation there. I think this game could be closed for a little while, but that Ohio State secondary worries me. I, I don't think they're that good in the back end. Um, you know, Indiana didn't run the ball at all against them and still had success. Um, and now you add a team in Clemson that can both run and throw it. Don't think Ohio – forget what the defense does – or what the offense does, rather, you know, which is a whole can of worms in its own. Clemson's offense versus uh, Ohio State's defense is a mismatch. They got this quarterback at Clemson. Sunshine. Trevor Lawrence. How many games he's lost as a starter? Is it one, two? One. One. It just so happened to happen in the college football playoff. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's been the starter for three-plus years. Yeah. He's lost one game. Yeah. I, it's hard to bet against him. Travis Etienne. I, you know, this team is so well put together, offensive game planning. I mean, just the way that they attack, I don't think it matters if Tony Elliott's there or not. Uh, I mean, you still have Trevor Lawrence, you still have Travis Etienne, who I feel like they've been at Clemson together forever. Uh, just those two. And and I I just think that Clemson is too powerful of an opponent for Ohio State. And and like I said, locked on college football, we talked about it. And, and the betting guy thinks that Ohio State's going to win this game. And I don't agree. I, I don't see. I think the motivation's do. on their side, but I just yeah. don't know. If the, the I mean, like. Sean Wade was an All-American this year. And I mean, that's just a, cr- a criminal. The fact that Sean Wade was an All-American. <laughs> that secondary is a problem. Like it's, it's been an issue. And, you know, there's only one team that could actually test that secondary. And it was Indiana. And what happened? They got cooked. I mean, they did force a couple turnovers, but yep. like they still got cooked. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the, the matchup for me to watch is Brent Venables versus Ryan Day. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see the, the offensive defensive chess mass chess match um you know because they have chris olave wilson uh obviously justin fields trey sermon had a monster game in there the big 10 championship game um you know big 12 fans are very familiar with with him uh and what during his time at oklahoma i think that's the matchup to watch uh i still think clemson wins this game yeah big game brent uh, and and the ability to throw different things i mean justin fields has been frustrated that uh several points this year and Brent Venables in that defense talent wise too. They've got plenty to throw at Justin Fields. I'm, I'm curious. I want to watch him see if he can solve it somewhat though. I, Cause that's a big question mark about him. Right. You know, we got, I mean, I love Zach Wilson. Nobody's going to love him more than me. I still would take Justin Fields at two. 
Um, I think a couple bad games is not the reason why I start questioning Justin Fields' abilities. He's got a rocket for an arm. He's a good athlete. He's also, what, 22? He's only started um, – I don't think he started 20 games in his career. It's, it's around that, under that. So, I mean, dude's still really young. And, like, it's okay to figure it out. And I think it's something that we don't actually talk about with quarterbacks enough is we don't give the kids time to figure it out sometimes. This is good. Like, this adversity is good for him, I think, as an NFL player. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, though, as far as quarterbacks go figuring it out and and all that um i mean i know i've heard a lot of negative about justin fields lately and oh you know zach wilson this and that i'm like okay i mean it's not to knock on zach wilson but have you ever watched justin fields throw the football Mm -hmm. i mean there's there's so much more to playing quarterback than just throwing the football you have to be almost cerebral uh with how you approach everything so you know it's that yeah i mean it's going to be interesting to watch, and I'm looking forward to who's going to be the number two quarterback selected after Jacksonville takes Trevor Lawrence yeah. at number one overall. Hey, uh, Patrick, we're getting to it. I mean, dra- that's the next part of the college football. You know, we, we, we help bridge the NFL people come to us. We still start helping them bridge yeah. the gap. I mean, I, I enjoy draft season. It's just around the corner here, too. I'm a huge draft guy. People yeah. know that. I mean, people that oh, are – yeah. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm a huge draft nerd. So, uh, it's my favorite time of the year. Uh, when when the when the bowl season starts to wrap up and then we move into NFL draft mode, uh, and I'm excited to see this because uh, Joseph Asai is a guy that I'm I'm excited to see where he goes. Samuel Cosme, just you know, those are a couple guys on the Texas team that I'm really excited to see kind of where they're going to go. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, yeah, it's always fun, especially to track the guys in the Big Twelve and the conference you know, that you watch play and stuff. It's always that, that's the really the true joy of, of draft season. All right, Patrick, where can people find you and your work as always? Uh, Locked on Horns Monday through Friday. Uh, I break down all Texas Longhorn stuff on Fridays. Locked on College Football Podcast. Me and Ben Stevens from Locked on Big Ten uh, get you ready for your weekends college sports or college football weekend check out my work on longhornswire.usatoday.com and follow me on twitter at pat sports guy all right patrick Khan of locked on, locked on longhorns and longhorns wire appreciate your time as always thanks brother